0: This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. The deal you've been waiting for is on now for employee pricing. Details at metromotors.com. Time to go rink wide on TSN 1040. Now here's J.D. Berg and Andrew Wadden. Welcome to Rink
1: Wide. It's the show that always scores. Andrew Wadden alongside Rick Dollywall this week as J.D. Burke continues to be on assignment with Elite Prospects. So Rick's in the hot seat with myself for the next two hours. However, we will have a couple of guests join us here in studio in the second hour. Before we get to that, let you know what's happening here in the first hour. Kevin Woodley from InGoal Magazine, of course, a regular contributor here on TSN 1040, is going to join us around 1.30. We'll have our Drop the Puck segment here. Where we'll go over all the top stories in the NHL this week and uh, pick Dolly Wall's brain about what he's been writing about in Dolly Wall's diary on The Athletic in the second hour. It is the end of the month roundtable, and we'll welcome in a regular uh, roundtable contributor in Harmon Dial from the Athletic in Vancouver, and then Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation podcast is also going to make his debut on the roundtable here. But uh, Rick, you made your debut on Rinkwide uh, last week, and uh, some pretty interesting stuff. And we had a little debate there in the crossover about Jacob Markstrom, and you know, I said that if the Canucks are going to have to pay you know high dollars. For Markstrom and a lot of term, they got a walk from him. You uh, feel the other way about it, so
2: let's start there. Everybody's talking about the money. You don't want to give $6 million plus. Uh, you don't want to lock him up five, six years. Okay, look, I, I get that, but there's other... Things, other factors here. There's value in his leadership. There's value in the fact the coach trusts the goalie. They go back to Utica together. It, you know what? He's liked in the dressing room by his teammates. There is a chemistry issue with the defenseman. There's a lot of things at play. I understand the biggest factor, Andrew, is going to be money. It always is with these players. Uh, you know, I'm going to go to July 1st if you don't give it to me. Uh, but these players, uh, they work hard all their lives to become UFAs. You got to take advantage. Of it. You got to oh, take advantage of it. There's no question not about Not arguing that. that. Not but arguing I, I, that. I told you about leadership. I told you about the trust with the coach. He's liked in the dressing room. There's chemistry uh, issues in in the terms that, you know what, if he leaves, uh, it, it, it's, it's a big void. It's a big void. And Is the, it though? It, it, the Canucks worked hard uh, to make this guy a, a number one goaltender. Sure. Number one goaltenders don't grow on trees. Okay? There's a trust factor there with the coach right now. If it took Jacob Markstrom, till the age of 30 to become a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League. Can you tell me that it may, it may take Demko that long too? It, 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 no, I can ha- tell you that it probably won't take him that long. Why? why? Because were both, Markstrom's they, an out, a bit of an outlier in that. No, regard. no, 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 but they were both high draft picks. It's not like one was a, a late rounder or undrafted. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you right now, Demko is doing great, but is he a number one guy yet? I, I think I, I, I I think he
1: can be because you talked about in Dolly Wall's diary how the Canucks are in cap hell right now,
2: it, or, or or sorry, I issues. shouldn't say right now. They got cap. They issues. got cap issues, and, and and it really bothers me when Jim Benning won't admit it. Like twice, yeah, he, he was, said he, he said in, in yeah, t- Thomas Drance's like, piece like three times, three and, times, yeah, and, and with Ian McIntyre as well. Well, we're going to be okay. We got contracts coming off the books in a couple of years. Hey, Jim, come on. This is a Canadian market. Uh, the fan base is very intelligent. Uh, the media. You, not so intelligent but they know enough to know that you know what we're avid discussers Yeah, avid discussers as uh, Pat Morris uh, Markstrom's Asian said on uh, TSN 1040 this week <laughs> hey look everybody can understand one thing yes the Canucks have cap issues to say that they don't and not to admit it that's just plain wrong yeah. obviously they got issues Yeah, everybody Every, can you can yeah, look at you, cap friendly and, you, and, y- you and can figure can, that out you can you know a child of four can figure it out <laughs> essentially they got cap issues hey, if we can figure it out yeah, yeah. exactly so <laughs> And you know what? Uh, can they do Markstrom? Can they do Tanev? Uh, uh, Stetcher's going to want to raise. Goddard. Vertanen's uh, going to want to raise. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Goddard's going to... And listen, if Jake hits 20 goals... Yeah, what's he worth? Okay, but listen, if Jake hits 20, that's going to cause the Canucks problems because of his arbitration case. Yeah. That's going to cause the Canucks uh, big time. So look, they have all these guys that got their hand out for more money. Yeah. And there's not a ton of cap space. There isn't. So, okay.
1: If you are to go down the road and give Jacob Markstrom five times six or whatever it
2: is going to be, do you think that do you think six million is the starting point for, for Markstrom's camp? I, I don't know what he's asking for. We can only, uh, guess, but I would be, I would say to you that they obviously are asking for over six. Yeah. And I think the Canucks would like to get Markstrom in the fives. Sure. Yeah. But so, at that point, you gotta make some tough decisions. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: it, what do you do with Chris Tano? Do you walk well, from him? Because look, look, they if they're making hey, this playoff run, sorry to cut you off. If they're making this playoff run right now, they need Chris Tano. Oh, I have, they you, can't, they, you, you like can't. people
2: people go, oh well trade him if you're not gonna sign him, but then what? Hey, hey none right? of these guys get get one thing straight, Andrew. None of these guys are getting traded. Go ask Travis yeah, Green. Absolutely not. They're in a thick they're they're leading the Pacific. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> Travis Green is sitting in first place in the yeah. Pacific division. Do you honestly think no. uh, yeah. that he's gonna go to Jim? Hey, by the way, Jim, go trade tass- because you can't get a deal done. No, 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 no. Tannen not going anywhere. Uh, none of these guys are. Markstrom. They're in the thick of a pretty wicked uh, Pacific Division. Vancouver, fifty-eight points. Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, Vegas, fifty-seven. Yep. You can't trade. How are you going to replace yep. uh, uh, Chris Tanov if you trade him because you can't get a contract done? So, okay. So
1: that and this is what this is my school of thought is on it. Is that Chris Tanov to me? And this might be an unpopular opinion, but Chris Tannum, to me, especially when healthy, and he's proved it this year, I know we haven't seen it a lot in the past, is more valuable to the Canucks than Jacob Markstrom is right now. Because of the fact that it's hard to replace that top-pairing right-handed shot defenseman. But they have Thatcher Demko already there. And we've seen now with goaltenders over the last few years. Well, look at Darcy Kemper. So you're trying
2: to tell me. That when, when the Canucks badly get outshot and they win, it's because of Chris Tanev. When they badly get outshot and win, it's because no, of no, Jacob no. Markstrom. No, 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 no. I'm telling you that there's a guy behind Markstrom
1: that can do what Markstrom is no, doing. I, they don't have somebody behind
2: Tanov that can do what Tanov does. That's your Demko. Let's get one th- uh, thing straight is the future goalie. How,
1: though? If you sign uh, okay. Marky for five years, what, then what are you going to do when Demko needs a new contract after
2: next year? If they sign Markstrom anywhere to four to five, Demko's gone. Demko's gone. So then how's he the future? Okay. What I, what I meant was you keep saying that, uh, Tanov is more important than Mark. What I meant was Demko is the future goalie if they can keep both of them. But that's, I, my, that's, I, what,
1: but that's my point is that you have the next guy right behind Markstrom. You don't have the next
2: guy behind Tanov right now. Well, they, the Canucks would say to you that they do, In Brogan Rafferty. They would they, they would say to you, maybe it's Nikita Trampkin. They would say to you that even though Ole Levy's on the left side, you know what? They can move things around. There are defensemen that can play both sides, but Nikita Trampkin might be that guy. Okay, so let's pivot then and talk about Nikita Trampkin,
1: because he's been a point of discussion here uh, on the radio stations uh, across the city, Um where are, you, where, where are they at right now at Triampkin Because it sounds like
2: things are starting to move a little bit. Well, he, his season's going to be over in a few weeks. Yeah. And then as soon as the season's over, Andrew, they, uh, they'll talk to his agent uh, and see if they can cut a contract. And uh, Kevin Woodley, who's joining us at 1.30, also came on TSN 1040 Monday morning mm-hmm. with uh, our morning show and said, uh, would can play in Utica? I, I got one simple answer to that. N.O. with capital letters. <laughs> this guy. didn't even he, want to play here. <laughs> do, do you remember when he signed with the Canucks? There was a European clause. Yeah. Uh, that if you, if I can't make the Canucks, I'm not going to Utica. It's, it's, it's Canucks or Europe. So in no way is this guy. This is going to be a one-way contract. If anybody out there, including Mr. Woodley, and I'm going to bring it up with him at 1.30, if sure. you think this guy's going to Utica, you're out to lunch. Yeah.
1: Uh, some good feedback coming into the inbox right now. You have to sign him because the Canucks are finally moving forward. doesn't make any sense. With a rookie goalie, it's taking a step back. That's from Rosie. Uh, got to agree with Wadden. No way you give Markey $6 million plus on a four-to-five-year deal. Goalie market isn't that robust. Uh, Varlamov got uh, $5 million times four as UFA and has had a better career than Markey. Offer him that deal and if he says no then sign halak and tandem him with demko that's aaron in Kelowna. also another one here uh it's unsigned but it comes out of abbotsford tanov has never played a full season not even close to a full season has he ever gotten to play 70 games i'll put my house on it that he's not healthy come playoff time they should trade him that's uh,
2: interesting. I, one thing i'll say about chris tanov uh andrew is every single coach in vancouver in the past 10 years has played the hell out of him. You go back to Vigneault when he, when he first entered the NHL, right? Vigneault at a very young age and he just coming into the NHL, he played him a lot. Yeah. He trusted him. Yeah. He trusted him in his own end, which is a huge thing for a defenseman at that age. And, and that team, don't forget, was really, really good. And then you go to Willie D played him. Then you go to John Tortorella and now you got Travis Green. They all love him. He brings a lot. How do you move from him? You can't tell me that Brogan Rafferty is going to succeed I I, I didn't say that. I said Brogan Rafferty down the road. Maybe Nikita (laughs) Trampkin steps into that spot. But here's the problem. You let Tanev go, okay? So how are you going to replace him? You know what this GM is going to do? He's going to go out July 1st and get another uh, top four defenseman. and six times six, and everyone's going to freak out again. You know what? You can't replace Tanev. So is there a world... And if you, as we look at cat friendly
1: and we do the simple addition that we can do, is there a world where Jacob Markstrom signs for six plus? Let's say six. Let's say six. Yeah. Dan of somewhere around where he's already at, which is what, four and a half, five. Right. Jake, who's going to be three at least, yeah. especially if he hits 20 goals. And then you're looking at Godet. Well, maybe Godet doesn't have, he's a, he's a 10 point, what is it? Again, 10.2 C or whatever oh, it's God, called. Don't worry about Godet. Yeah. Godet's not he, yeah, really, he, he, uh, yeah. he's not going to be stature you might have to, might have to walk from, right? And, yeah. and, and again, when it comes to asset management, I don't like seeing RFAs just walk yeah. because we saw that last year with Ben Hutton.
2: So is there a world where all of this can come together? No, they can't sign everybody. That's the hard, cold yeah. reality of their cap situation. Isn't it funny right now they're talking to Markstrom's agent? But I don't think talks have really started with the Tanab camp. And I think they need to know. Yeah. You know, where are we with Markstrom? How much money are we going to have left? They don't want Chris Tanev to go. I mean, they... But unfortunately, because of this cap situation, they they can't keep everyone. Andrew, they can't. All right, so we got plenty of Canucks talk still to come around the corner. But
1: let's drop the puck.
0: Time to drop the puck and get updated on the top stories of the past week.
1: Every time. Gets me every time. Okay, let's start with uh, Connor McDavid and what Connor McDavid revealed this week that uh, he rehabbed and, and instead of taking the surgery it was the PCL uh, tendon that um, basically they you know, was going to be per- perhaps get screws in the knee and there was going to be all kinds of stuff that might even hinder the way that he skates and of course being Connor McDavid that is one of his best assets is the ability to basically outskate everyone outside of Matthew Barzell which we saw last night but um um, what are your thoughts on that and, and the fact that McDavid chose the rehab, which couldn't have been easy, uh, and is a, was able to take that path as opposed to you know, going down the road that many doctors said, and that was surgery?
2: Yeah, you know what? It's his body. He knows best. Sure. Uh, he would have consulted with his agent and family and, and gone through that whole process. But you know what? It's, it, it tells me that he's a pretty intelligent guy. It yeah. tells me that he's on top of things. It's his body. He can do anything uh you know what, what he knows his knees better than anybody else yeah right i i think it was a good move i think the team might have been saying take this and I think he said, "No, I'm going to go this way."
1: Yeah, because obviously, with surgery, like, oh, you're going to be, but yeah. then, but there was the the chance that he could not be, or perhaps might not be as good of a skater as he was. You can't you can't mess with that if you're Connor McDavid's camp, right? So, uh, good on McDavid to take that route, and maybe we'll see other players as well. We talked to Ryan Rashog about that earlier on Sports Saturday. Uh, he gave his opinion on it and said, "Yeah, maybe he could see other players taking that route as opposed to going down uh, through surgery as well." <laughs> Alright, uh, Gary Bettman, uh, faced the media during All-Star Weekend here and said, you know, the Olympics, they're good and all, but maybe we don't need them. And we're fine without them. I know in terms of the players, at least from what I've heard, they want to go. The fans absolutely want it. I know, at least I do. I'm assuming you do too. Um, but where are you at with the Olympics in the NHL? Because, uh, I talked to Rashog about it, and Rashog said, listen, like, the NHL doesn't get a piece of any pie of that. So, you you know, Gary works for the owners. But the fact that, you know, you could have Elias Patterson playing for Sweden and doing these fantastic things, but then... The Aquilines and, and the Canucks aren't allowed to use any of the imagery from the Olympics to sell, you know, the game. Essentially,
2: so what are your thoughts on it? Well, they should. They should go to the Olympics, Andrew. They, in the years past, when they did, one of the biggest issues is the time of the games, right? Yeah. Right, depending on where it is, but yeah, yeah. that yeah. that's the biggest issue they got because yeah. you want these games prime time NBC in the US, yeah. right? You want a game at seven o'clock, you want a game at five o'clock, which is fine too. But what they they would run into these problems where they go to these countries and the, the, and the and the time of day, and that's the biggest issue. He even said that, Batman. Yeah. He said it's the schedule. He said it's hard to talk about the Olympics when we don't have the schedule. It's true. So that's one of the biggest issues. But in terms of selling the game worldwide, they gotta be there. They gotta be there. How you how are you going to sell
1: worldwide if you don't go to the Olympics, especially in China? Yes, where is a massive market that's just untapped for? Well, I shouldn't say untapped because they're they're in there now. Well, they got the Russian team in there that plays in the uh, KHL. I believe Gretzky has something to do with a whole bunch of uh, hockey initiatives that have started over there with a bunch of uh, his branded his his name and um, arenas that have been built around. But again, still like you like that's a big big market to be missing out on. But I see the I do see the point. It disrupts the season. Yes, right. You've got to think about all the other guys that don't go. Right. You know they're sitting there doing, you know, if this was soccer they just keep playing and but this isn't, right? So
2: uh, I it, it's it's a massive global game now. Yeah. And, and you have to sell it and there's no better way to sell, sell it worldwide than the Olympics. What about a World Cup then? A World Cup that doesn't happen during
1: the season, perhaps September, maybe even late August. Could That's- you see it?
2: I think they're working towards that. And yeah. They want to do that. But for me, it's the Olympics. I mean, go back to Salt Lake City. How fun was that? How fun was here? Yeah. I mean, we're coming
1: up on the 10-year anniversary. I mean, you know, we got people already suggesting to us, you know, hey, you guys need to book so-and-so because it's 10 years are coming up. Yeah, we're on it. Don't worry. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, you know, people were, I, I mean, it was one of the greatest times of my life was those, what, two weeks or so that we had here. That gold medal game, walking her in the streets with everyone. Oh, that was one of
2: the best days ever. Like, you're never going to top that, They're right? Really, the NHL really misses an opportunity uh, when they don't go to the Olympics. It, it, it to sell yeah. the game. The
1: NBA's got it a little bit better because of the fact that they don't have to disrupt their season to do it. But look at how the NBA has just completely gripped that market in in, in China and around the world, really.
2: But look at their uh, TV numbers in the USA; they're dipping a little bit. Yeah, you know? it, but, but, but so they've so never Indiana. been strong. They've never been strong. Hockey is strong in certain markets in the U.S. Yeah, and, and it's usually the northern cities where it snows. Northeast. And they got a history, and, yeah. Where they got a history, yeah. even the Minnesotas, Colorado's, uh, the New York upstate. It's the some of the markets. Uh, it's 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 really low in in appeal. But uh, until they get those TV ratings up in the U.S., it's always going to be a constant grind. Okay, last one here. The poll question today. Yeah. I asked the
1: people, which team is going to win the Pacific Division? Canucks, Coyotes, Golden Knights, or other? Now, I talked to Ryan Rashog about it, and of course, he's out of Edmonton. And maybe said with a little bit of bias because of the fact, but he's a reporter, so and he's not a fan, right? But he believes that the Oilers could do it. He thinks they have the team to do it. Who's that? Because, in my opinion, the best
2: team on paper nah, is Vegas. Is Vegas. Is Ve- I had Vegas to win it earlier. The, the reason Edmonton's in the thick of things is their road record. They're yeah. really good road team. Yeah. And this is where the Canucks have to get better. Right now, the Canucks are 11-13-1 on the road. Yep. After St. Louis comes here on Monday, the Canucks hit the road for five games, Right. They, out of the five teams that we mentioned that are being separated by one point, there's only two that have uh, below 500 road records, Vancouver and Vegas. The other three, Edmonton, Calgary, and Arizona do quite fine on the road. Well, I, well Vegas 11, 10, and 4 are on the road. Yeah, I just said, there are two yeah. teams that are under 500, are in that group. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, Vegas. Yeah. I'm just saying the Canucks have to get better. Yeah. They're they got the Canucks have one of the best home records in the NHL. Yeah. 16-5-3. They, they got to get going on the road. Yeah. And, and after St. Louis Monday, they got a big five-game road trip. Yeah. And can't, and, can't, and you can't go far in the playoffs without a good road record. And, and coming back from the break, not easy. You got, oh. the, you got the St. Louis Blues.
1: Blues are what? Uh, Blues are one point out of first place overall. The Blues are, uh, yeah, 68 points overall. That's uh, three points behind Washington, who has 71 right now. Boston was 70. 68 for the Blues. Um, when you look at, you know, Vegas, what, what, what do you think's going wrong with Vegas right now? Like, like, like But mind you, and I, I brought it up on Sports Saturday like Ray Ferraro was quoted as saying on his podcast with uh, Darren Drager, the Ray and Drags podcast, that you know any team in the Pacific out of those five are twenty four hours away from being in fifth place, right? From first to fifth, and it's just there's because there's one point separating all five of them. Four of them are tied at fifty seven apiece, but I could see Vegas getting on a heater. And, and completely running away with this. They have well, the
2: ability. Put it that way. The Vegas would say to you, there's nothing wrong with us. We're one point out of first place. It's not like, uh, they San Jose, Anaheim, or LA, sixth, seventh, or eighth in division and way out of it. Uh, the bottom line with Vegas right now is they're one point out. They'll be fine. They're 25. They're five games above 500. Yeah. You know, but everybody just expected them to run away with the division. Sure. That's the problem. Do you, th- do you think Vancouver,
1: is the best team in that division. Do you think there's an argument that could support that?
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But, but give the Canucks credit. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are at the All-Star break. They're first place. You have to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. You know? Uh, what d- about Calgary with their dash twelve and goal differential? Yeah, that's bad. That's tough, right? No, that's bad. That they're the only team out of the top five that uh, is in the mind. And look at the Canucks plus thirteen. Yeah, which is one of the best in the Western Conference. And the biggest. Uh, and I don't even think Travis Green thought this would happen. It, it's the Canucks' goals four, which has caught everyone off guard. They are scoring. Their power play's been great. Uh, they're the one of the second highest uh, scoring team in the Western Conference. Uh, I don't even think Travis Green. And he, Travis tries to uh, coach offense. He tries to create ways. Uh, uh, to, uh, but this year, I mean, my goodness. I, I didn't see Because they've been the lowest scoring team in the NHL in the last four years. 159 goals for the Canucks right now. They sit tied with Vegas
1: and uh, the Rangers and St. Louis, actually, for, uh, I guess that would be ninth or eighth, I guess. Oh, no, sorry, 159. So they they're, they got one more than uh, Vegas, Rangers, and the Blues. Uh, the top scoring team in the NHL? Do you have it in front of you? Because I'm going to ask you. No. No. Most goals in the NHL, the Florida Panthers. Oh, Florida, yes. 180 goals. They're a plus 20 right now, followed by Colorado, Toronto, Washington, and Tampa. That rounds out your top five. Uh, But uh, out of those teams, like Florida surprises me. The rest of them don't surprise me. Yeah. No, it... it
2: Florida did surprise a big I thought it was Washington. But <laughs> the, 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 the Panthers come up uh, quickly. I want to get the story in. Did yeah. you uh, read in the New York Post today about Matthew Barzell? I the, did not. The Coquitlam kid. Uh, rumors that uh, his contract's up. Yada yada yada, and that uh, they're going to have a tough time signing him. and they, The the report said that he he wants to play for Seattle, the expansion. Uh, the, the Seattle team. I keep calling them the Sock I think it's going to be Sock But, anyways, uh, interesting piece on Matt Barzell. He just got benched by Barry Trotz the other night, uh, against the Rangers. Third period didn't play. But there's just an interesting story, uh, in the New York Post today by Larry Brooks about Barzell and how are they going to be able to sign him? He, he could ask for seven, eight, nine million. And, uh, but there was an interesting tidbit about he wants to play for Seattle, which wow. is still, Two years away, though, right? Well, I mean, no, yeah. but it, it would—it would obviously be around the. Uh, his contract. Well, his contract's th- up at the end of this year. Yes, yes. Uh, but he's an RFA. He's, he's, he's yeah. coming out of his entry-level deal. But, uh, but I'm just saying to you, he's going to do quite fine. Thank you. Yeah. Well, 42 points in 49 games, of course. In the well, NHL 85 the year he beat yeah. Besser to, yeah. to win the Rookie of the Year. Took a dip in his uh, sophomore year. Which was just 62 points in 82. Yeah, still, but hold it a second. Good, do, you, do you know why? he Took a dip. His the year he had 85 points. He was playing for Doug Weight yeah. and very offensive-minded yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug Weight. And then Barry, Barry Trots comes, comes in, in. Yeah. and his point totals go down. Out. My point is this, though, is that, uh, so he's still going
1: to need a contract, of course, RFA and all, but Seattle being not in the league next year, but the year after, yeah. so what do they do there, you yeah. know? they sign him for
2: one year? Or? It was just a rumor that um, he would like to play in Seattle, which is funny, because if you're from Coquitlam, don't you want to play for the Canucks? Yeah. Not that it could, you know, you could. I guess you could ask for a trade, but it's just interesting the, the way the story was written up in the New York Post today about uh, the kid from Coquitlam. Yeah, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out. And and I mean I can't see the New York Islanders
1: move like letting him walk.
2: It would just be yeah. Ridiculous. But you, you know what though? Here's the other problem for Matthew Barzell. He's a very high end, uh, creative offensive player who's playing for the uh, the very defensive minded Barry Trotz. Yeah, he, uh, the Islanders lead the NHL in goals against, do they not? And. Guess what? His goal, his, his point production every year is not going to be great because he's playing for a defensive minded coach. The Islanders right now are, as I Google on air,
1: they're actually not that bad in goals against, uh. Oh, they're one of the best. they were last year too. Anyway, the Detroit Red Wings, of course, leading the league and goals against, one hundred and ninety-eight this year. That's interesting stuff from Brooksy. We'll see how they plays out. I and mean, the Islanders have the cap space if they do have to pay a premium well. for for Barzell. But if he's you know trying to make a move to come back home, so to speak, you know maybe he looks at the Canucks uh, uh, salary cap and goes, "Oh, there's no chance I could play there anyway because they can't afford me. So why yeah, not be I, the um, face of the uh, what'd you say, sockeyes? Do you have any I, I, inside I, information no, I on don't, that at all? Uh, I,
2: I just think uh, Seattle sockeyes makes the most sense. I thought we. We
1: we're supposed to hear this. Uh, the name it's coming up. It's supposed to be in February. The well, it was supposed to be around the All Star game. Yeah, That's what but we heard. The,
2: the rumor is that Seattle's going to name their uh, team in February. Uh, gotcha. I, I keep hearing soccer. Do you think anybody? Uh, we're up against it, but do you think anybody from the Seattle
1: organization right now knows? Do you like? Do you think you know Cami Granato knows? Oh, yeah.
2: You think so? I think uh, Ray knows.
1: Oh. <laughs> about the to text Ray. All right. Uh, on the other side, we're going to talk some goaltending. We're going to go back down the uh, Jacob Markstrom path with Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine, TSN 1040 contributor. I'm going to ask him, hey, should the Canucks perhaps walk from Markstrom? Well, we'll find out on the other side. Drinkwides, the show that always scores. TSN 1040.
0: And now, a giant minute with Dan O'Connor.
3: Tonight at the LEC, the Vancouver Giants take the ice for the first of a home-and-home series with their BC Division rivals, the Kelowna Rockets. This weekend's doubleheader has huge playoff implications as the Giants and Rockets are currently neck-and-neck for third place in the division. The Giants are 3-0-0-1 against Kelowna this season and are 2-0 against them at home. Six different Giants forwards are averaging at least a point per game against Kelowna this season, and both goaltenders, David Tennick and Trent Miner, have earned wins against Kelowna. The puck drops tonight at 7. Following tonight's game, the Giants and Rockets meet again tomorrow at 5 o'clock in Kelowna for the back half of the
0: home-and-home weekend. Vancouver Giants White Spot Packs are available now, starting as low as $109. Each White Spot Pack includes tickets, a White Spot gift card, and a gas card. Fun for the whole family is just a few clicks away. Visit VancouverGiants.com slash White Spot
2: you know he he might want to play in Seattle for the expansion team yeah we'll see about that you know who else could play in Seattle for the expansion team. Oh.
1: One of the goaltenders that are currently with the Vancouver Canucks, Jacob Markstrom, it, or maybe or even Thatcher Demko. It's Let's talk two. to Kevin Woodley about it. Kev, thanks for joining us today. I know you're on the ice over at Rogers
0: Arena. Why don't you fill us in on what you're doing? Uh, actually, not Rogers Arena. But, oh. uh, this year, because uh, I believe it is, I believe Paw Patrol is on the ice. Oh, that's right.
1: <laughs> Man X there. Yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> God that my kids are old enough that I didn't have to go through Paw Patrol. I had to do a lot of the other ones, but I've heard about this, and I'm, I'm quite grateful that I'm not there this <laughs> weekend. Instead, I'm at UBC uh, playing in the Canucks Autism Network tournament. Um, everybody, all the teams out here, I think about 18, 19 teams out here, everybody uh, raised a lot of money, almost close to $700,000 in wow. fundraising to, to be a part of this tournament. Our team did uh, Richie Brothers Hawks. We did, I think, a little little under 24,000 of it through a raffle that that we did, just an online raffle that, uh, thanks to you guys, uh, also helped promote online over the past couple of weeks. So yeah, it was really, it's uh, it's a great weekend. Every every team gets an alumni um, on your team. You draft your alumni based on your fundraising. Uh, that it establishes your draft position, and then we just have a great weekend playing with a bunch of guys that a lot of you know a lot of us a lot of these guys looked up to and watched, grew up watching, and then. All-star game tomorrow here at UBC with all the alumni and the top fundraisers. And if you want to come have a laugh at the guy who talks about goaltending but doesn't actually know how to stop pucks, <laughs> I am going to be the victim in that all-star game. Uh, so uh, expect the goals against of about 25 tomorrow.
1: I, I think you're selling yourself
0: short. I'm sure you're good at the position. You didn't see my first game. So, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely okay. not selling myself short. Yeah, <laughs> it was like... I heard a few people. That guy? Really? You yeah. <laughs> know one that tells anything this that goes on the radio and tells says what any joke goalie should do? That guy <laughs> We're uh, having fun, boys. We're having fun. The only thing I didn't hurt my groin, but I did hurt my pride. <laughs>
1: That's okay. You can always uh you, that, that can be replenished. It'll be all right. Um okay so what the Canucks should do, and this is what I put out in my editorial earlier today. I said that the Canucks should let Jacob Markstrom test the waters. I'd let him go to free agency at July 1st, circle back, see where he's at. The reason why I said that is because we're looking at the cap. We're looking at how things are moving forward for the Canucks. They've got some really tough decisions to make roster-wise. And my argument was, you've got Demko there. You've got Di Pietro. I know he's still a bit away, but he's having some good strides so far in his first pro year. I'm saying you let him test it. If he comes back with a dollar figure that doesn't work for you, you let him walk. Your thoughts on that?
0: This is a tough one. And I don't envy, um, Jim Benning and Chris Gear, who obviously handles the contract negotiations. And, you know, I think we got to recognize the job that, that Chris has done with, um, the Besser deal, the Horvat deal. Like a lot of people like those deals. And my understanding is he was a, he's a driving force on those negotiations. So, um, but this is not an enviable spot because I understand both sides of it. it kind of reminds me of the Jets with Connor Hellebuck a couple of years ago. And they ended up giving him six years, 36 sheets. So, um, When you find that guy, that fits your system, fits your room. The guys trust, and he's stopping pucks in an elite level. And for Hellebuck, it was Vesna Trophy finalist. Frankly, Markstrom's adjusted numbers here. When I have access to Clearside Analytics and some, you know, truly adjusted uh, for shot quality numbers, Marky grades out best in the NHL right now. The goal saved above average and save percentage above expected. When you weight the environment he's playing in, in terms of how loose at times they've been defensively. We're not talking about a guy who's playing at a top five level, top ten level. Right now, statistically, the best in the NHL. And as good as Demko has been at times, overall, like he's he's playing sort of at about a league-expected rate. Markstrom is exceeding that. He has saved them over 14 goals statistically. That is seven wins strictly on the back of your goaltending based on sort of the math and the analytics. And again, Clearsight Analytics breaks this down like no other company, 34 points of, uh, of data per shot recorded, pre-shot passing, screens, broken plays. Like This is as, as detailed, as much context as you can get, and market grades out real well. So that side of the coin, you're like, man, like for us to keep making strides as a team, how do we lose that? Even though we have other guys coming, even though it's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent class, almost like we've never seen before from a goaltending perspective. And there are some big names on there because one of the only other guys, for example, one of the only other guys that is even close to Jacob Markstrom on that scale is Robin Lehner, yeah. who's going to be a UFA for the second straight year, and, and last year only, you know, had a similar type year, Vesna Trophy finalist, and only got five million over one year. So it's kind of I see. I think they need him. I think he's a big part of this team, and they should do everything they can to resign him. And yet, on the flip side of the coin. I'm not sure the rest of the n h l views him quite as highly, yeah, I don't think, given that free agency class if you if you do you sort of want to nut up and let him let them test the market and take that risk um you know i i I don't see six over you know six times six on the table from a lot of other teams, and maybe yeah. I'm wrong, yeah, that's I know what... a lot of other goalie coaches that like them guys, yeah, but I don't know like really, and they can see the changes and they can see the yeah. progression and they believe in him. But selling that to their, putting their job on the line to get their GM to to make him a big ticket offer because they believe in it that much? I'm not sure.
1: I'm yeah. honestly not sure. Yeah, and, that, and that's my school of thought on it is that I don't think the market's going to bear that much. And that when he can go out, take it, you know, look around and go, you know what, guys, like you know, I, don't, I don't think it's best here. And maybe I'll play for, you know, four years, five million, you know, $20 million contract. Because, you know, if you end up giving Markstrom anywhere from, you know, four to five, because that's probably what he's going to be looking for, then Demko's gone. Am I wrong?
0: Yeah, but that's not, again, like, like, four to five, to me, that's not the end of the world. If we're talking in the sixes and some of the other numbers I've seen thrown around, yeah, sure. uh, then, then that's a different conversation. Like, you know, I mean, like, it's easy for me to, like I said, this is not an easy position for him to be in. Um, but he likes it here. Like, it's the devil you know, right? Like, even, even, among some of the other, let's put it this way, all these, like, forget, even beyond Demko, like, even if you decide Demco and we're going to go get a 1B, um, Anton Hudolman, I think he leads the NHL on save percentage right now. Like, he's, he's your prototypical, like, high end 1B. All three of the guys, Grice, Halak, Hudolman, all the sort of model citizens to be 1Bs, guys you could play alongside Demko they're all unrestricted for Asians this summer. They all also happen to play behind defensive environments that are very friendly for goaltenders. So you can't just say, well, we can go get that guy, save some on goaltending, let go keep coming, let DiPietro keep coming. That's fine. But there's no guarantee that those guys are going to be able to perform the way they have in Boston, behind the Islanders, behind the Dallas Stars who are like the Islanders defensively. No guarantee those guys are going to continue to have that kind of success behind the Canucks and the way they play. And the defense isn't changing drastically. I mean, if anything, they lose Tannev and not... So it doesn't change for the better heading into next season defensively. Like... I think people miss how much they lean on their goaltending and lean on Markstrom this year. And to just assume you can go find somebody else who's going to be able to be this good behind this defensive environment... That's a risk. I'm not going to say it's a mistake, but it's definitely a risk. And at the same time, if if the alternative is to overpay, maybe it's a risk worth taking. He checks the market um, and maybe he decides, yeah, maybe there is a little more money out there. But do I want to change cities? Do I want to go to a different team or do I want to be a part of this? So you kind of hope and think that they can come to something that's reasonable between the two sides. But like I said, this is this is not going to be necessarily an easy negotiation because, you know, uh, his value to them is higher than I think it would be to anyone else around the league, and they have to measure that in their negotiations and avoid negotiating against themselves.
2: We're speaking to Kevin Woodley from Ingold Magazine and TSN 1040 contributor. Kevin, would you say because... Uh Jacob took longer to become a number one goaltender. He's 30. He doesn't have a ton of mileage on him. Would that be an asset for him heading into the... As he gets 30 and gets into that decade of his playing career? He hasn't had a a ton of games in the NHL, though. I think that's...
0: But does it matter if you're, if he was playing it, like, it's not like he wasn't playing in the American League. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, Rick. You'd have to hockey DB it for me. But if he was playing 65 games as a top prospect in the American League, that's every bit as hard, arguably harder because you're a lot of three and threes and, and you're playing two of them at least over a weekend and the way the schedule is. I don't know. And that makes a huge difference if he was playing just as many games at other levels just because it wasn't the nhl i mean obviously that year in utica they went on a long playoff run that mileage counts just as much in some ways the, the nhl is actually an easier easier league for goaltenders because your movements and your patterns are all based on more predictable environments guys are where they're supposed to be they make plays they're supposed to make it's less of a broken game so I don't know that I fully buy that, but again, I don't have the AHL games played in front of me. Um, So yeah, I'd I'd be a little hesitant on that. You know, it's interesting, like he's, you know, because it took so long, um, he's you know, what, a little younger than Holpe, but not much. They're both 30. Like Lehner, who to me, Gray's out at the top of this class because he's done it behind a great defensive team in New York, and now he's showing he can do it behind a Warcraft defensive team with the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, he can play it any way and adjust his style and have success. And he's only 28, so he's also the youngest of that group, that Holpe, Markstrom, Crawford group. Like, Lehner's only 28 years old. So he gets an even bigger benefit of the doubt that way for Marky. I don't think the games played at the NHL matter if he was playing them at other levels.
2: You know, uh, Kevin, it's going to come down to dollars and cents. Always does, yep. But but there's other things at play here. Uh, Markstrom's leadership, uh, his trust with the coach goes back to Utica. Uh, Travis absolutely uh, trusts Jacob. He's liked in the dressing room. There's chemistry uh, that he brings to the club. Yeah, uh, you mentioned family and, and and the city of Vancouver. There's so many things at play here. It's it, it? I know it's going to come down to dollars and cents, but there are other factors as well.
0: And and for the Canucks too, it's the devil you know, right? Like, like you know how he fits behind this system. Sorry, you know how he can handle this type of defensive structure. Sorry, guys, I got to move here and get out of the locker room because there's a team coming in. So I apologize for the noise. But um, you know what you have in Jacob. You know how he fits in the community. You know how he fits with his teammates. You know how respected he is in the room. Like it works both ways. He, you know, he's he's been open about it. He would like to stay. And for them I you know, I think it's it's pretty much a no brainer that they would like to keep him. And I know there's a lot of people like, oh you know, what about what about Dem Cohen, what about DPS? I get that because I like both of them as prospects a lot. And that's why if you can, you avoid term. But I don't know if you're gonna be able to avoid term and keep the cap hit down. Like that's that's the balance they have to find, right? Like um and then there, there are a ton of factors. That's why I said I, I'm glad. This is why I only get paid a few bucks to talk to you guys on the radio <laughs> instead of the big bucks like the guys over at Rogers Arena because this isn't an easy decision, and it's a decision that will have a massive impact because he has had a massive impact. Like I said, statistically, the biggest impact in the NHL this season from a goaltender. And losing that would have a massive impact on this team, even if you think the other guys are ready. Ready to be good NHL starters and ready to save you 14 to 15 goals halfway through the season are two entirely different conversations. And that is what Markstrom has given them, and that's what makes this even tougher. He's been their MVP. Not just what we see eye test statistically as well. Take those seven wins off the board, guys. Where yeah. are they? Yeah. No, they're not Take in first place in the 5th They're yeah, not in first place. Right where yeah. are they in the NHL? Yeah,
2: and and, and, and let's be honest, Kevin. These stats that you're firing out at us on the importance of Jacob Markstrom, don't you think his agent's got him? Don't you think his agent has got a, a pretty big, thick book on
0: everything that's gone right for Jacob? Well, I mean, to maybe I should give a plug here. Maybe his agent. I don't know if he has these ones because they're very proprietary and they, they they cost a lot to buy into. There are some teams that have them and have bought in. So. Uh, but if he's listening, he should definitely uh, purchase these, these, these statistics. They are, they are good stats, and they, they boost his client really well. Oh. I'm sure he's got numbers that are similar. Um, but like I said, plug for Clearsight Analytics, the deepest context I've ever seen in terms of truly measuring goaltending performance. Uh, and if I was Marquis' representatives, I'd want to have a look at it. Because I, like, I look around the league, right? And this, this is part of the equation, how he's perceived around the league will affect what he would get on the open market. That's the reality. And not all, te- like Rick, not all teams have those numbers that I just out. A bunch don't, frankly. Yeah. And they make decisions for other reasons. Jacob Markstrom, like NHL.com, ran a halfway through the season, Besna Trophy winner poll. I didn't get to vote on it because um, I'm not a staff member. Um, despite being in the goalie running, I'm just not staff. So it's just the way she goes. Jacob did not have a single top five vote from any member of the staff when they did the Vezina voting a couple of weeks ago. You look at the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Now, those aren't, those aren't the Bible. Those aren't the end-all, be-all. But I'm sitting here talking about a guy who is statistically the best in the league. And he's not even finishing on top three of these votes. And why does that matter? Who cares what the media votes and what they think? That's perception. And when you head to the open market on July 1st, as much as the agent is going to be trying to shape and change that perception... That is part of the equation in terms of what he gets on the open market, what teams and other people, how they read his ability and his impact and what they think of his ability to have an impact on their team as as an unrestricted free agent. Also, don't forget the other equation here is do other teams look at it and go, yeah, well, that was with Ian Clark that relationship is being important to his development, do we get the same out of Markstrom without Ian Clark in our organization? There are teams that will ask that question.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Kev, as always, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you taking the time today. I know you got a busy day out there uh, working with the uh, Canucks Autism uh, uh, charity, and uh, appreciate you coming in.
0: Now, my pleasure, guys. Um, I, I appreciate you guys letting me do the plug. I got an hour before I got to be on the ice, so I, I need to actually start stretching yeah, now. That's how yeah. bad things have gotten. <laughs> uh, I also appreciate you guys. I think you, you guys didn't get a word in Andrew. I had a couple of Red Bull to get me fired up for this ah, game, so okay. that I apologize for just the absolute verbal diarrhea, but I enjoyed being on with you.
1: No, it wasn't verbal diarrhea at all. It always good stuff from you there. That's Kevin Woodley from In Magazine. Thanks for joining us. That's the day, guys. All right, Kev, uh, again, Boy, lot, he, he. lots to unpack. We're up against it. we got to get to break. Hey. Uh, let's, let's, let's save it. We'll talk about it on the other side. Rink-wide, show that always it. scores. TSN 1040.
2: Today, Larry Walker becomes a first position player. Oh, ball, and second Canadian-born member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame.
4: Actually, truly meant that. Uh, And then that number popped up on the phone, and to hear them ask uh, if they could speak to Larry Walker, and you know, I, I think I uttered the words, "Oh, here comes the." I guess the rest was just like almost in in disbelief to hear him say that uh, he didn't come up short
0: this year. Larry, we look forward to seeing you in Cooperstown. TSN 1040 congratulates Maple Ridge's home. Welcome to the Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer, Larry Walker. Pretty amazing.
2: It's it's, it's the flavor of the month. Uh, uh, Ian Clark deserves all the credit. Well, take a look at all the goalie coaches that have been in Vancouver in the past five, six, seven years. Yeah. There's been a ton of them. I don't think it's just one guy. Everyone's had input into his development, but I, what I was told by a pretty good source is that, that Dan Cloutier played a big role as well. Big, big role.
1: When teams... I, I like when Woodley said, you know, with Ian Clark sort of uh, you know, putting the two together and other teams maybe around the league being like, well, he's not going to have Ian Clark here, so... Right? But I just don't think there's going to be that much of a market. Like, I could see the Capitals... Winning a Stanley Cup and then not re-signing Holby.
2: They're so strong, though. Because
1: they have Samsonov yeah, there as yeah. well, right?
2: But, I mean, but so do the and he's a, a, like, Are we selling Demko short? Or is, it, is there still too many concerns? The biggest thing is Markstrom is proving yeah. night in night out sure. that the Canucks without him would not be in first place. Sure, it, it, how many times have they been badly outshot and he's been the first start? And what's the, the that? Stat, that uh, to me, right there is is go back to the Carolina game at yeah, home. Yeah, forty three save shutout. Yeah, yeah. There was that stretch
1: there where they were getting oh. badly outshot and Markstrom was just winning them on, uh, games on his own. I like the stat that uh, Woodley brought out saying that Mark Markstrom has won them seven games. Himself, yeah. The, if you take uh, that and subtract hey. it, they're San Jose
2: without those seven games. And, and that Carolina game at home was yeah. one of them. Yeah.
1: Uh, like I said, we Andy-readed the call- clock here, so we're going to have to take a break. On the other side, it is the end of the month rink-wide roundtable. Harmon Dow from The Athletic in Vancouver, a regular on the roundtable, is going to join us. And Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation Podcast making his debut here on the roundtable. Keep it locked. It's the show that always scores. Rink-wide, TSN 1040.
0: Now, more of Rick Wide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew And
1: hey, Welcome back to rink Wide. It's a show that always scores. Andrew Wadden and alongside Rick Dollywall, who's filling in for JD Burke over the next few weeks. JD out on assignment with elite prospects. He'll return. Uh, What has he got? You got two more weeks with me here, Ricky? Something like that?
2: Yeah, something like that. We'll see. Maybe we'll keep you here Hey, can you get this out of here? (sighs) Oh, you don't want...
1: (laughs) Okay, so in studio right now. It's the end of the month roundtable, and Harmon Dial is here from uh, The Athletic. He's an old hack when it comes to this roundtable business. Uh, We got Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation Podcast as well. And... Chris, you brought in some oh. Parallel 49 beers, and we love getting free swag around here, especially <laughs> when it's beer. But old Dolly Wall, he, kind, he he got lit up like a Christmas tree last night at the old bowling.
2: Uh, he 1040 yeah, Bowling. You got to get this here. Just the whiff mouth. of that it's beer. Just, uh, I'll <laughs> I'll, did you see how
4: fast he snatched the six pack off? Like, as soon as I walked in. Well, so that
2: was back instinct, back and then he realized. <laughs> oh, and I don't say this very often, but get this out of here. I'll happily take it home with me. I'm no, no, no.
1: I'll take some of, of that. I love that Parallel 49. <laughs> And, so, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Saint Augustine's as well because that's their their uh, one of their brew pubs. And I used to be a Commercial Drive guy, and I found myself uh, many nights closing that place. So I uh, do appreciate you though coming on here, Chris, and what's your debut with us? And I uh, uh, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself in terms of uh, who you're working
4: with and the podcast, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. We just got over here. Uh, it's been about three weeks, and uh, now I've already been in the studio twice, so it's been a pretty good start to moving over to Vancouver. I uh, Moved over to go to BCIT, so I'm taking a couple part time classes right now cool. and then moving into the fall, my co-host on Canucks Conversation, David Quadrelli, we're both in the program together and it's funny talking to a lot of people about this because they're like, wow, it's, it's amazing that you found your broadcast partner going into BCIT. Sure. And that's the thing that we're kind of most excited about is that we want to work together for a long time and so far the chemistry has been great. We just recorded our third episode together and it just, we came out of the studio and we are both just pumped. Good. Like our heart was pumping, like the chemistry was starting to come together because week one was a little awkward when you're making that much eye contact with a guy that you've never really met in person. <laughs> uh it was kind of awkward recording the first podcast but we got through the bumps and yeah episode three is in the books now and uh, it's available everywhere cool i uh, appreciate
1: you coming on today and of course if you want to find caduc's conversation uh, head over to itunes you can find it on there wherever you uh, find your podcast Harmon, of course uh, he- he's a regular around here we have Harmon all the time and harma you got that great article that's up right now on the athletic in vancouver so i uh, just fill the people in on what you've been working on lately
3: yeah, it's been uh, been a lot of Quinn Hughes uh, content. I think I started the week off with a, with a pretty controversial take. I definitely ruffled some feathers outside of Vancouver. I uh, I basically wrote an article kind of breaking down the 2018 draft class so far. And, and I made the case that to this point, Quinn Hughes has been the best player out of that draft. And um, I think... There, are, there have absolutely been other players, like you look at andre Svetchakov and, uh, and Brady Kachak who started well um, to, to their careers as, as well. But to me, I look at Quinn Hughes and what he's been able to accomplish. He's already established himself as a bona fide number one defenseman. And if you specifically compare him to Rasmus Dallin... Hughes has played more minutes. He's done so against tougher competition. So Hughes is in a shutdown role alongside Tana versus Delien in a, in a sheltered role uh, on Buffalo's blue line. Uh, he's he's scoring more points and he's the superior play driver at five on five as far as tilting the ice in his team's favor. You can't really find anything objective to to point out and say Delien's been superior at yeah. Uh, than than Hughes in any category so far, so uh, I think when you combine those factors, so far, and, and of course we're talking two years after the draft has been done, it's too early to declare who is going to be the best player long term. But to this point, it's been Hughes, and then uh, and then the other day on uh, I think it was Wednesday, I uh, I did this uh, I, I did a big feature talking to GMs and, and scouts and, and a couple of league sources on uh, uh, breaking down how Quinn Hughes actually fell to seventh, uh, and that was a pretty interesting story. Yeah,
1: uh, we uh, we talk- to, oof, I can't even remember who it was from Detroit, uh, and just asked them, you know, it, you know, were the Red Wings, you know, gonna regret the fact that they took Zadina over Hughes, especially with, you know, Hughes in the backyard being a University of Michigan guy? But uh, there is a school of thought out there that they, that Zadina is still, you know, a good pick for the Red Wings, and we'll, we'll see how it all pans out. It's only been a few years as well. And you look at the other guys, too, that were in that draft, especially early in the draft, you know, Yasperi, Kokonami, and Montreal, slowly kind of making his way in. You know, in terms of, you know, getting to be the player that they hoped he would be at third overall, just 114, uh, games into his, uh, uh, NHL career. But I think right now you're absolutely right. It's, it's about a, a three man race, maybe a four if you add in Brady Kachuk there, but Darlene Svechnikov, Hughes, uh, those are home run picks for the, uh, for the Sabres, the Canucks and the Hurricanes as well. Okay. So the, Big topic of discussion today has been Jacob Markstrom, and I kind of put it out there that I feel that the Canucks should let him test the waters this offseason because of the fact that they do have cap problems ahead. And Rick, you wrote about it in your Dolly Walls diary on The Athletic as well, just kind of giving the foresight that, uh, you, you know... Um, the Canucks are going to be against it. They're, I mean, we know that Hughes is coming up. We know that Patterson's going to be coming up. And then, of course, you've got of there, too. What happens with Fertanen if Tannen ends up scoring 20-plus goals? Uh, so I kind of put it out there that maybe they should test things with Markstrom because of the fact that if he's going to get six times five or whatever it is, you might have to balk and go, listen, we've got other places uh, to spend our money wisely, I guess you could say. But Kevin Woodley came on through a bit of cold water on on that as well saying you know maybe though that this is Demko won't be that guy and that Markstrom event and, you know they need him and I get that they do need him right now uh, what are your thoughts and I'll start with you Harm um, Where what, what should they do with Markstrom I know it would be as easy to say well I'll sign him for three years at you know 21 or whatever but that's just not going to get it done
3: is it? Yeah and I think from I kind of agree with, with your perspective in that I would try and and let him test, test the waters because I think if you look at the UFA goalie market coming up and the supply and demand. And this is one of those things where there's always, like for instance, if Tory Krug or Alex Petrangelo hits hits the open market on July 1st, there are going to be 15-20 teams interested in the top four defensemen. The market, the the number of teams that have both the need and the cap space for a true number one goaltender is always going to be limited. And you have some instances where yes, you have Bobrovsky completely cashing in, but then you also have players like Robin Leonard who what was he he, he was a finalist for the Vezina, correct? and he signed a Jennings, one year deal trophy winner. yeah, yeah. He, he signed a one year deal for five million and so I look uh, look at look at the summer ahead and there are a lot of names that are going to hit the market you've got Braden Holpe you've got Robin Leonard you've of course got Markstrom Corey Crawford Thomas Grice, Yaroslav Halak, Anton Houd- Anton Hudobin. So I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of th- this supply of goalies where maybe not all of them are legit number ones, but you've got 1B type. Like for instance, you, you take a Grice or a Halak, those guys can play in tandems really well. And so I think that could be an instance where he tests the market and you wait to see how much interest there is because. If, if there isn't a whole lot of teams into him, then, then the Canucks could be in a position where now you can get him for maybe cheaper than you can right yeah, now. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what I was thinking. And, uh, Rick,
3: uh, when you look at
1: Demko, though, is he ready? Like, if they were to walk
2: and hand the reins over, would he be ready? That's a great question. Uh, look, I, I think when it comes to Markstrom, uh, guys... I, I think it, this doesn't get done quick. I, I think it, it gets done in the summer. Why don't you wait until, uh, to see if the team makes the playoffs or yeah, sure. yeah, And then if they make it, anything can happen. And then you don't want your starting goaltender to leave. They gotta, it, look, you get rid of a Sven Birchie. You get rid of another contract before July first, Brandon Sutter, perhaps Brandon Sutter, yeah. And all of a sudden, you have the money yes. for Markstrom. Yeah. So, I don't think the notion out there that they got to sign them before the deadline or in the next week or two. No, no. Why not try to move some contracts? And if you even let's say you are a million apart with them, let's just say you are a million, just a guess. Yeah, you get rid of a Bergey, then you got that million, sure. Yeah, you you get rid of a Sutter, you get rid of some other contracts, you can do it. And there is a couple. Hey, Hey. I, I don't know if Chris Tanov's going to be back or not, you know, and if you decide. That's a tough guy to uh, lose, though, and hey, I know people will say, well, he's
1: never healthy yet. And I'm going to tell you something. This year. Uh,
2: you're going to know Chris Tanev's fate yeah. if and when they sign Nikita Trampkin, and I'll, and I'll tell you why, because then the, they're going to need money to sign Trampkin, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? if they sign Triampkin, then then Stetcher or uh, Tad of one of those two is definitely gone. Faber, is there a market at all
1: for Brandon Sutter and or Sven Berchi? Because we know that they've been shopping Berchi around and just doesn't seem to be. But, you know, we're also in season right now where a lot of teams are capped out. Maybe perhaps there'll be some more room in the summer.
4: Yeah, I think there's a lot of question about Sven Berchi going into the season, obviously, with the concussions that he had in the past. And if you see what he's doing at the AHL level right now, he's getting very physical. Like, he's getting involved in the play on the corners. It's something great to see, and I think that he's playing to go get back into the NHL, right? Whether it's with the Vancouver Canucks, it seems like the relationship isn't great right now with that situation, but man, you watch him play a game down in the AHL right now, he's playing real tough, he's a guy in the corners, like, he's what, he's playing like you would like to see Nikolai Goldobin do in the AHL right now, who's, you know, even though I'm at the free Goldie movement, he's not really doing that, but with Brandon Sutter, it's it's another Weird situation because if you have him playing on the fourth line right now with Jay Beagle, like Ooh. he's an option to have as a fourth line center. He's making a lot of money, but he's also, you know, making similar money to Jay Beagle. So you don't really want to have two guys on your fourth line topping out at close to seven million dollars. So if Brandon Sutter is given an opportunity like we've seen with Louis Erickson, maybe Louis Erickson falls off a little bit and we see Brandon Sutter hop up and play in that role because that Bohorvat line, though it's a top six line, it's really playing like a checking line, right? It's matching up against the best line on the other team. And that's a spot where probably Brandon Sutter can have some success. Yes, uh, and if he gets into that role, I think that's an option. Uh, but I, you know, with Lou Erickson playing right now and playing so well, I don't know if he gets put into that spot. And it's hard to showcase a player on your fourth line, especially when you're just getting caved in on the shot share, right? Yeah. Rick, uh, would you be
1: opposed to you know getting rid of Brandon Sutter and/or Sven Berge if it means you had to
2: attach maybe a prospect piece and/or a draft pick to it? Oh man, that's uh, <laughs> they just. You know what? By by coughing up the first round pick uh, for J.T. Miller, they're they're not in a position to throw carrots around anymore. They're just not. They're just not. And if you, uh, even second rounders, and today, Cole Lind is a second rounder. You need your, se- hey, forget about your first rounders. In today's, there's so many teams in the NHL, the cap and everything. You need your second rounders to to, to, to play as well. Exactly. And that's why I, I love what Cole Lind is doing. And last year he struggled, and this year, I mean, that's the reason they drafted him in the second round. He's showing you why. I mean, that kid plays in the next year or two. That helps. Yeah, you're not in a position to cough up second round picks anymore. Yeah, harm. When you look at
1: the way the Canucks are using Brock Besser right now, is it a concern to you? Because you've got you know Louis Erickson on the second line or uh, on the second line, and Faber just said like you know it's essentially a checking line. You don't want your second line to be a a a, a, a checking line. So, with Besser on the third, like, you know, what is he? Like, he was 48th on the top 50 list that they had for him. I believe he's the seventh highest scoring right winger right now. Like, what the hell are they doing with him?
3: Well, well, the thing is, it's, it's hard to really be critical of the way they're deploying that top nine because it's working right now. Because you you look at the first line and you you, you've got Vertanen on it now. They've been controlling the shot share. They they're producing scoring chances. They're 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 getting pucks in the back of the net. And then you look at the second line. Remarkably, they're coming out on top. They're holding their head above the water against the opposition's best lines. And then now you have the the Godet line who is playing against tertiary competition. And they're getting the opportunity to kind of in those softer minutes um, push push a little play offensively. So now I think it's important to recognize that it's not sustainable long term. Yeah. It's not gonna. It, it, this this isn't gonna work long term. I don't see Louis Erickson in, in your top six working out. This is one of the the best stretches we're seeing out of him. This is one of the best stretches we're seeing out of Bo Horvat. I think that second line is eventually going to come uh, back down to earth. And then at the end of the day, look the lotto line. Was has been so prolific this year when they've been together. You're talking, arguably, about a top five line in the NHL. I think they're just too good, yeah, to to, to split them up long term. As much as as well as Jake Ratannen's played over the last month or so, I just Besser has to be on, on that top line long term.
1: Yeah. I, I, so then Jake maybe to the second line
3: with you know Horvat and, and Pearson. The problem is. The, the, it, it depends on what identity you want with your second line, because sure. if it's a matchup one, then I don't know exactly how Jake fits into that because he's not exactly a, a defensive minded player. I actually think he'd succeed better in more of a sheltered role where, where he's playing with other offensive players players. Not not to say that, you know, obviously Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson are gifted offensively, but they're gonna get tough competition. And, and I think for Tannen, I like the idea of, of him playing with Goddet I just don't think the way the second line is configured, you're going to need when Louis Erickson comes out, you're going to need another two way type winger, and 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 we'll see. I think Josh Levo is someone who hopefully within the next you know six to eight weeks he can come back and if, he, if he's healthy, I think he can play in that role quite well. But um, I I think with Jake, he I think his best fit is on that third line.
1: Yeah, we have someone in the inbox right now. It's the Rockland boys uh, with Jake Vertanen getting top line opportunity with EP Forty and JT. Miller, is it realistic
4: to expect that he cracks 55 points by the end of the season? Faber, what do you think? I mean, yeah, like he's he's put up good numbers so far. Obviously, when you're controlling that much of the puck, when you have JT Miller and Elias Pedersen on the li- on that line, the good thing for Jake in that situation is he can kind of play as like the floating winger. Like he doesn't really have to be as defensive aware in that zone because you have two centers on that line. I know that JT Miller is taking a lot of the face-offs, but Pedersen is kind of playing that center role at the same time. So yeah. if you have JT Miller playing in your defensive zone as a winger, that's a great guy to have yeah. getting the puck out of your defensive zone. And, and I know that some people are confused by the term like course. Right, like that's something that not a lot of people understand, but to simplify it to the max if you have a high Corsi, you're getting the puck out of your zone and yeah. into the offensive zone a ton. Yeah. JT Miller does that with any player that he plays with, and we've seen Jake Vertanen have some of his highest Corsi numbers when he's on that line, even if it's just been a limited amount of time. Like When he's up on that line, he can just kind of put his head down, go towards the net. He's playing with the two best playmaking offensive players on this team, and if he's in that role, he can really use his speed to his advantage, because how many times do we see Brock Bester get breakaways? Like There's one game, I think he had three, he didn't score on any of them. If you see Jake Vertanen, he's faster than Brock Besser. He's a guy that maybe sneaks away from the zone a little bit more than Brock Besser. I would expect to see a lot of breakaways for Jake Vertanen when he's put in that spot. And that's when we see Jake do the best work. When he's off in the zone and he's using his speed and then gets opportunities with some ice in front of him, that's when we see the best out of Jake Vertanen. And that's why I think he's a decent fit on that line. I don't know if it's a long-term fit because Brock Besser on that third line is something that we probably won't see for a long time. He's a former all-star. He's a guy that we want to see score 30 goals. But you know, if Brock Besser's also on that third line with Adam Gaudet and Antoine Roussel, like Harm was mentioning there, like that's probably the best spot where you're going to get matchups. You're going to be going against the other team's worst line defensively. Normally, in that spot, because the fourth line's matching up against the second best line on the other team, and the Horvat line's taking the best line. That third line kind of almost plays in like a fourth line situation because they get the easiest matchup. So if you have Brock Besser going up against the easiest matchups on the other team, that's a great spot for him be good. To be in.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dolly, Wall, as the trade line, uh, trade deadline approaches, I believe we're one month away from the trade deadline. It's at the 24th. Uh, February 24th. Of, yeah, so we're the 25th today, so one month away. Uh, if you had a shopping list for the Canucks right now, what would be on top of it?
2: Well, you got to be careful because, uh, you know, this, uh, the chemistry is so good right now. You know, what are you going to bring in from outside? Like, I, I mean, he's going to make calls, but he's stuck. The cap, you can't tell me. they yeah. uh, it's got to go dollar in, dollar out. It's got to be either dollar in, dollar out. But right now, with the way they're going uh, and their cap situation, I, I just don't, I can't see them doing much. I can. And the chemistry issue, too. I mean, this is a team. They obviously, uh, they play for each other. They like each other. There's, some, there's some, something good happening here. Uh, do I just don't, I don't know if you guys see anything, but I, I because of the cap situation and uh, the chemistry issues, you've got to be really careful here. you
1: Harm- got, good thing going. Would they flirt with getting, you know, a pieces of the core right now? Perhaps maybe, you know, moving from one guy? I, I got someone in the inbox here suggesting maybe Besser. I couldn't see that happen. No,
3: yeah. no. Look, the way the season's trending, they're, they're finally in the conversation. They, they need to make the playoffs. And things are certainly trending well um, in that direction. And so you're definitely not selling any pieces off, uh, especially your pending free agents. You're not going to move a, a Chris Tanner, You're not going to move a Troy Stetcher. You're not going to move Jacob Markstrom or a Thatcher Demko. So I think all of that is off the table as long as they're in a realistic spot for the playoffs. And then so then you look, the the only option is buying. And then, you know, as as Rick mentioned, they really don't have any cap space. It's got to be dollars and dollars out. That's a tough, tough thing to do. A, and then B, they really lack the assets. Like, what are you going to get? Like, let's say you want uh, someone to play alongside Bo Horvath. Let's say Tyler Toffoli, just to throw out a name. name. A, because of the cap, it's going to be tough to make the contracts work. And then B, what are you going to give up for him? Yeah, like
1: people will go, oh, why don't you just give up Sutter and uh, Prospect? Well,
3: no. It's not going to right? work,
1: The uh, rest of the
2: league knows that, you know, who d- Sutter is. Not only that, but it's always, uh, well, any player that becomes available, C- Canuck fans will automatically say, oh, uh, cough up Berchie and Goldie. Uh, and uh, come on, guys, that's not that's not going to... The Berchie, league knows who those guys league, are. The, the league knows, and, and nobody wants uh, Jim's junk. Uh, and no one wants Jim's, uh, you know, mistakes. No one wants, don't you think, that they've been trying to trade these guys for over a year? If you can't trade them for over a year, what makes you think they're going to be traded by February 24th? Come on, everybody. You know what? You can't move Goldie right now. I, I'm sure Goldie wants out. I, I, I do give Goldie and Berchie credit for being really good yeah. uh, teammates and really good people in Utica. That's very important. It's just like that 20-year-old on a junior team. The, the junior teams select 20-year-olds very carefully. These guys got to be good uh, with the young kids. They got to be good on and, on and off the ice. That's essentially what Goldie and Berchie are doing in Utica. There's a lot of good prospects for the young prospects, like Cole Lynn and Gadjevich. Uh, Uleby, to have veterans there like that with good attitudes is very important. And I and I give Berchi and I give Goldie credit. Uh, talking to people in Utica, these guys have been absolutely tremendous, despite not being in the situation they want to be in. <laughs> Brian and Coquitlam just texted
1: it and Stamp Coast. And if anyone knows that drop right there, yeah, that and was, Stamp that's Coast. old school TSN 1040 uh, drop right there. Okay, on the other side, let's talk a little bit of Utah, Utica. Let's ride the bus a bit. I know that Faber is uh, is uh following the comments uh, pretty uh, closely, so we'll touch on that. And we're also, I'm going to ask the boys here, who they think the best team in the Pacific Division is. Keep it locked. It's Rank Wide, the show that always scores, right here on TSN 1040
0: plans for the Super Bowl? Budweiser presents the TSN 1040 Super Bowl viewing party at the Canadian Brew House in Richmond. Big screens, big sound, incredible specials, and prizes throughout the game. Listen to Halford & Bruff weekdays for your chance to win a VIP spot for you and a friend, including food and drinks. Details at tsn1040.ca Catch up on any show you missed on TSN 1040 by simply downloading the podcast at tsn1040.ca All of the daily and weekly shows are available, plus play-by-play and more. TSN 1040 podcasts are powered by Metro Ford. Streaming Vancouver's best sports talk, TSN 1040, has never been easier. Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play TSN 1040 and get instantly connected to your favorite shows, live play-by-play, and the best sports insiders. The 58 Daniel Vancouver International Boat Show is back February 5th to 9th at BC Place and the Floating Show at Granville Island. For tickets and information, visit VancouverBoatShow.ca. For more info, check the hotwire at TSN1040.ca. Now more of Rink Wide on TSN 1040. Here's JD Burke and Andrew Watt. Yeah, welcome back to Rink Wide. It's a show
1: that always scores. It's John Rom. By the way,
0: it's, from, it's like my 14th update of the
2: day. It's from you know, Spain. Got it right the first 13 times. Pretty good golfer one of my
1: favorite, actually. But I digress. Alright, so we talked about, uh, before we went to breaks. teased that we were going to talk about the Utica Comets, and uh, Faber, you, you follow them pretty closely here. I know Comets Corey uh, is a regular with us as well, and we always uh, head to Utica from time to time, talk to Ben Burnell, who's on the beat there with the uh, Comets, and we had a good little discussion here in the break on where we were going to go with things, so I want to start with this. Out of the guys that are on the Comets right now, who has the best chance of crab- in the Canucks next year?
4: Yeah, I think that this year there's not really a lot of options. I think the best option right now on this team is Cole Lynn. I mean, you're seeing what he's doing every single game. I've watched him over the past five, and he's probably been the best Utica Comets player in two or three of those five games. And he's a guy that's that needs to be involved emotionally when he's playing. It's something that he talked about in junior, it's something that I talked to him at training camp about. And this year is kind of the first year as a professional where he can actually get emotionally involved in a game. I mean, last year when you're coming in and you're a rookie, you're making your first professional debut. You're not really the guy who's going to be getting involved in scrums, but now you see Cole Lind. He's the guy on that line that's getting involved in scrums, and he's normally playing with Justin Bailey, who's the other winger on that line, and sometimes Camper, sometimes Yasik moves in as a center in that spot. But the other exciting thing is Cole Lind's played a lot of center in the past little bit. He plays on the set or on the first power play unit as the center, and that's kind of great to see because that was something that he did in junior as well. Just kind of moving to the middle a little bit. Um, there's a couple guys as well that definitely have a shot. Uh, Brogan Rafferty, I know there's a ton of hype about him, uh, like. we were kind of talking about in the break there, he's 24 years old. He's not 20, 21 like Cole Lind is, but the upside with Brogan Rafferty is that he's got 37 points in 41 games, and he's doing this in his rookie professional season, which is something different than what we saw with Reed Boucher, who is obviously tearing up the league, but what is it? This is his fifth year bouncing around the AHL, so when a guy can come in and make that transition from NCAA hockey to professional hockey in the AHL and have success, that's great, but it'd be interesting to see what Brogan would do next year in his second year in the AHL. If he stayed is the same player and he puts up this type of like, this type of points, maybe he isn't an NHL player. But if he comes out and he plays in the AHL next year and he's putting up a ridiculous amount of points as a defenseman and sticking out way further from the herd that's all these guys that are former Canucks defensemen, uh, that would be exciting because then you'd be like, wow, this guy has to be in the NHL. But from what we're seeing right now, it's like, yeah, he's a great AHL defenseman, but he's not at that point to say that he has to be in the NHL. Sure. Um,
1: Justin Bailey... Uh, Rick has been uh, turning a lot of heads recently 23 goals in 44 games here's the guy that the Canucks uh, well, picked up off the scrap heap basically uh, what's, what do you think his chances of you know, being able to come in and potentially play games for the Canucks even this year
2: I, I I I I don't see any Utica guys getting time. I know Jim says it. I, he keeps the agents, you know, uh, happy by saying stuff like that. But honestly, I see Travis Green uh, in first place. I see Travis Green treating every game like a playoff game. I just don't see time to have the time to see if there's a kid in Utica that can play at the NHL level. Right now, you go with your horses, the veterans, the guys that are here. I don't know. I do know that in December... Uh there was talk about uh, Bailey getting called up. There was talk about other guys getting called up. Uh, there has been discussions with agents in the past few months. They, they always call say, you know, hey, is my guy going to get called up or not? Uh, so there's always discussions, but man, oh man, right now, Andrew, uh, uh, d- do you see? Any kid getting a chance with the Canucks right now? No way. Yeah, well, I mean, barring but how, but injury, how? of course. Yeah, yeah, injury yeah. is the only way. But yeah. other than injury, I don't see Travis Green saying, hey, Justin Bailey, come up here. Well, he's not going to be a difference maker in your top six. He's going to be a fourth-line guy, right? Six four two fourteen, though. He kind of fits oh. the parameters of a, a Travis Green-type player. D- I know, but Travis is always happy with his fourth line. He's sure. got Schaller sitting out. He, yeah. you know, he loves Mott. Yeah. Uh, it's it just uh, I, 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 just I'm sorry, Andrew. I, I
4: just don't see these guys getting a shot unless l- unless you said injury. Justin yeah. Bailey is the fastest player in the AHL. But like yeah. he is the fastest player in the AHL and you mentioned his size. If he brought a little bit more physicality, there's there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the NHL. But you look at these guys have these, you know, advanced skills in the AHL level like Reed Boucher's scoring ability, Justin Bailey's skating ability. Justin Bailey's also great on the power play, he has more power play goals than Reed Boucher. But when you see that player and you see him have these skills at the AHL level, you, what you have to think about is what does he not have and why isn't he in the NHL? And, and that's the thing that I miss. Like He would be a great guy to have in your fourth line if he was using that speed to hammer people on the forecheck and you know be involved physically. That might just be the one thing that's holding him back. And NHL coaches want a guy that's 6'4 to be able to bang in the corners, and that might not be what Justin Bailey can do.
2: Yeah,
1: he's a uh, 2013 draft pick for him as well, so he's, you, not, he's, you, he's not young.
2: Do you remember Victor Oreskovich? Yeah, of course. Thank yeah. you end of conversation
1: (laughs) uh harm what about reed boucher uh is reed boucher just a quad a player and that's what he's going to be
3: yeah i mean look it's pretty simple he's not good enough to be in your in your top six and um and and he's he's not suited well at all defensively to play in your bottom six like i don't know what else what other way to put it he's not going to play in your top power play unit at the nhl level and um you know Teams at at this at this stage, especially as the NHL gets faster and faster and faster, Boucher just doesn't have 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 the legs to to, to keep up. Look, if if you're if you're a rebuilding team and, and you're and you've been just absolutely struck by injuries, sure, maybe Boucher can fill in for a few games in your top nine. But if you're talking about a team with serious playoff aspirations, you're not going to have re Boucher in the lineup.
1: You talk about foot
3: speed, though. Are you worried about Jonah Gadjevich and the way he's progressing? Yeah, look, it, it right from the day he was drafted that was one area where where people had sort of circled his skating as he needs to be quicker in his first few strides and certainly last year I think it was uh, it, it was a tough adjustment as it was for Cole Linden in that department and look at the end of the day I think um he's got 10 goals in 30 games so that's not terrible but um I think ultimately you need to see more progression from him in that stage and, and and it's tough to see i think he's definitely a long shot as an NHLer um, at this point but he's got those physical attributes where if he did add that it, it, it he'd be yeah, i'm sure nhl coaches would love to have him uh, in a bottom six role especially when you consider some of his intangibles but i just don't think he's quick enough to play in the nhl long term a, a couple of things
2: uh uh, quickly back to Justin Bailey. Travis Green's the reason he signed in Vancouver because Green liked him in his days in Utica. Really liked him a lot. The thing is, though, you, you always try to reward your guys in Utica, right? When they play well, you get the call-up to Vancouver. Here's the problem for Vancouver. They're, they're, they're first place in their division. There's no yeah. time. There's no, but you, And they're you, relatively healthy. I, I would love to see them reward Justin Bailey, but you know what? I, I just don't see it happen. The guy's been incredible the last two, three weeks. Uh, you guys have not talked about... The the one player you should be talking about. Well, oh, love you. I was just you about to go there. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, what's, well, see, what's, uh, what's your latest? What do you what do you well, got on him? I asked his agent uh last week if if there's been any talks uh, with the Canucks about, you know, getting getting a look up here and he said nothing. Uh so they're gonna let him you know, marinate down there. I, sure. I see Corey's uh, comment, uh, Corey, last night tweeting again that Ulevi gave the puck away and they scored. So when you look at only Ulevi, and and I think everybody in Vancouver would love to see this guy uh, crack uh, the Canucks lineup sooner and later. I see minus eight. I know the plus minus isn't everything, but it's it's indicative that you it, about his play in his own end. It's it's it is play without the puck. He's he's got the offensive gifts. Okay, he's up to what nineteen points, thirty six games. It's his play without the puck. And when I talked to Sammy Sallow when he was in Finland, he's got to get stronger. He's got to uh, play better in his own end. These are all the things. And when I talked to Podkolzin's uh, coach in, Saint, in Russia yeah, the other day, he said, I'm teaching him to be better defensively. All these guys got to be better defensively. Play without the puck, and then you get to play for Travis. Yeah. Uh, let's pivot now, guys. Uh, the poll question today,
1: which was, uh, which team is going to win the Pacific Division? We got four options because it's a Twitter poll. So Canucks, Coyotes, Golden Knights, and then other. And basically other are the Alberta teams because, let's be honest, the Cal- the California teams are relatively out of it, right? Uh, I'll start with you, Faber. Who do you think is the favorite out of those five to take home the Pacific.
4: Yeah, I think if if the Canucks can stay healthy, they're the favorite to win. Yeah. I think that, you know, with Quinn Hughes coming in and making that top four so much better than it was in the past, having guys like Fantenberg and Jordy Ben be, you know, options to use in your bottom pairing, the defense core has improved drastically from last season, and these young guys that have been running this team since last year have been able to get better. They have three players at the All-Star game. Elias Pettersson is playing great hockey with JT Miller. You know, if they can find a little bit better use out of Brock Besser, and I, I wonder if the third line is an option long term because if Brock Bester gets some easy matchups man if he can get back to ripping that shot like we saw in his rookie season like why not the Vancouver Canucks go out and win this Pacific division it's so so close right now they have such a great home record which is something that they haven't had over the past couple of years yeah and I mean Vegas has fired a coach they've changed their coaching staff around like the Sharks aren't what they really have been in the past I think the Oilers and Flames are you know, like you mentioned, there's there's a reason they're not on the pole, pretty much. Like, the Coyotes, when they're hot, they're a great team, but man, like this Canucks team if they can ride Jacob Markstrom if he can be the MVP in the second half of the year like he's been in the first half like why not us right yeah one concern though with the Canucks and Dolly Wall and I talked
1: about it earlier in the show was that that away risk, uh, record at 11 13 and 1 right now i mean they're the only team amongst those five that aren't uh, over 500 i mean Vegas is just 11 tw- 10 and 4 as well but uh, harm what are your thoughts on the uh, the Pacific Division
3: leaders yeah i think right now if you talk about the the team with the best odds in the division i think i, I agree with Faber i think the can- Canucks. Canucks certainly are the favorites. And I think that says less about the Canucks than it does about the Pacific Division as a whole. Because you look at the rest of the competition, on paper, I'd say the Vegas Golden Knights are the strongest team. Heading into the playoffs, I think they have the best chance out of any in the Pacific Division of of going on a run, but they're just, they're they're behind right now. They've played three more games in the Canucks, and they're a point back. They're in the midst of a coaching change. There's a little bit of turmoil there. It's going to take them some time to get back on track. So as much as I like their roster over Vancouver's, I think they've just got a little bit too much ground to cover, um, although it wouldn't surprise me if they got hot. Um, and then you look elsewhere in the division, you've got Arizona. To me, I, w- I really would have liked their chances, but the problem is now you've got Kemper. Uh, he's, he's injured, yep. and Ranta's always in and out of the lineup. Yep. So you look at what the Coyotes are as a team, their identity. They're essentially the New York Islanders' west. Yeah. And yeah. if you remove their goaltending out of the equation, that defense first... Play style is it becomes a lot harder to execute. So they, they to me are a question mark. And then the Alberta teams, like Edmonton's essentially what a three, four man team who's going to be reliant on the ups and downs of their goaltending. Um, and then Calgary to me is a little bit of a dark horse. Because their 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 top guys have underperformed in the first half, they can get back on top, and if uh, if Riddick can be stable in between the pipes, it wouldn't surprise me if if they took a run at things. But all things considered, I just I can't look at any other team and and say I'm really confident about the squad going into the into the second half of the season.
1: The dash twelve goal differential is is what really. Jumps off the page for me when I when I look at Calgary as well, right? And I know Dolly Wall and I have already talked about that so far. Uh, Rick, I I think we got your opinion on uh, yeah. who you thought uh, the 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 front runner is in the Pacific. Um, what's surprising you though, Rick, in this division more than anything else is it the fact that the Canucks are sitting atop as we you know essentially head into the second half here?
2: Yeah, it is because it w- go back to August and go back to September and everyone's. Uh, Polls, the pre-prediction polls on the season. Did anybody? Can anybody in this room honestly say, in August September, they picked the Canucks to be in first place in the Pacific Division at the All Star break? No way. And if you do say so, you're lying. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right.
1: And there's a lot of people that, uh, there was very few people that actually picked them to be a playoff team this year as well. And I, oh. I know Craig Button was on it though early and he, he said it off the start of the year. I believe this team will be a playoff team. And, you know, Craig's looking like a bit of a genius right now. However, there is, and I've go back to it. I've said it a few times uh, throughout the day today is that they're, you know, 24 hours away from being, you know, out of in fifth place. And it's uh, Rick, Ray, Ray, Ray Ferraro said
2: it on his podcast and he's absolutely right. They got a five game road trip coming up after the Blues. That's going to be big. And so is the Blues. Like, Monday night's a big game. It's a massive game. It's a massive game. I, I, I don't like this long break they got, I think it's way too long. I don't mind a three, four-day break, but this is ridiculous yeah. You know, to, 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 to have this gap in between games. And then have, it's, it's essentially Monday is like a first game back from a road trip kind of yeah. deal. And you're facing the uh, second, third best team in the National Hockey League Monday.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough. And by the way, you and I do in the... Uh Pre, yeah, well, post game show at least we doing the. Uh, you'll join Sakaris and Price for the pre-game show. Uh, those guys are down in San Diego. I know, I lucky guys. Uh, what, what, what's what? Let's go big picture now around the the entire NHL, and I'll start with you, Faber. And you know, what's been your biggest surprise this year in terms of you know what's gone down in the league? The Oilers are definitely a good example of that. You know, a team that's got yep. you know, essentially two guys that are you know keeping <laughs> them in this
4: race. Would it? You know, what else has is, is kind of jumped out to you? You, well, though. you mentioned the Oilers, and, you know, to take it back to the Pacific a little bit, like, there's only two teams in the Pacific Division with a winning record in regulation time. Like, if you bring in overtime, and that's why we see all these teams bunched up in the Pacific Division, like, they're all getting those loser points, which is, you know, definitely brings up the argument to move to some of what these European leagues are doing with three points for a win, two points for an overtime win. But the Canucks, and I agree Oilers, with that, by the way. Yeah. But that's, yeah it's, anyway, I don't know why people don't talk about that more, but the Canucks yeah. and Oilers are the only two teams in the division with over 20 regulation wins, which is something that you'd like to see because. Because it's like, oh, they aren't getting so many loser points like we're seeing the Calgary Flames, or Blues nor the are the they giving away other ones to their competition. Exactly. Too, right? and when yeah. they match up against Pacific teams, that's where you're going to see these points match up. But I think that uh, one of the surprises for me was that the St. Louis Blues have been able to continue their success after the Stanley Cup win. You know, 68 points and leading that Central Division is, is damn impressive. And as much as I hate to say it, because I'm all Team P.D. here, especially with the Calder race last year, uh, you know, Bennington's been able to play pretty well again this season, and I I've seen a lot of these goaltenders come in and have one good year. And it seems like the league figures out why they had that success and are able to beat them. But, you know, you got to give props where props is due. And, I mean, the St. Louis Blues have been a good team this year. And they've definitely shocked me. I mean, I thought they were going to be a playoff team. I didn't think they'd be running away with the division like they are. Tom?
3: Huh? Yeah, there are a couple. I think if you're talking about a team that sort of faded a lot faster than than people would imagine, imagined, I look at the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Like, this is a, this is a team that you know before this season they've every single year been been a legitimate cup contender and yeah I think a lot of people recognize when you lose a player like Joe Pavelski it's gonna be a big big loss and I certainly didn't put them in the Stanley Cup bracket sure it coming into the preseason but I absolutely thought that they would be right there competing for a playoff spot and they've seemingly seemingly fallen completely flat and a lot of it is because their goaltending has been awful for another season I don't know I don't know what's happened to Martin Jones it was only a couple of years ago that he was backstopping them as a league average starter he took him to a cup final and now he doesn't even look like an NHL goalie and then I think when you look at the flip side a team that's kind of surprised people it's got to be Columbus Blue Jackets, six straight. They're they're sitting atop uh, in in a wild-card spot in the Eastern Conference where you've got a lot of, like, that Eastern Conference is so tight. Yeah. It's it's way more competitive than the Pacific as far as the, the caliber of, of what it takes. Like, you look at the Leafs, for instance. Like, they're a point back of, uh, of the Canucks. And the difference is Vancouver's first in their division, and the Leafs are... Are Three points four- out of a wild card, four points out of the uh, third spot in their exactly. division. Exactly. So for yeah. Columbus to, to stand out in that way, and they lost Bobrovsky, and because of Elvis Merzlikens. They've gotten outstanding play in between the pipes, yeah. so to me, I have been really surprised by by how well Columbus has done. Rick, that's two examples right there. Two well, I, I'm going to
2: give you another one: is Pittsburgh. Okay, they lose Gensel, they lose Crosby. They are right now the fourth best team in the NHL. Yeah, I I really bothers me when uh, and Jim doesn't do it all the time. But he, he oh, I am waiting for our team to be healthy. Oh, you know we got too many injuries. Come on, man! This last year. Arizona was the most injured team in the NHL. They were two points out of the playoffs. You can't use injuries as an excuse. You can't do it. The Pittsburgh Penguins lost Sidney Crosby. Then they lost Gansel. They they lost a ton of guys. They're the fourth best team in the league. You know, it bothers me when Jim says all the time, oh, just waiting to be healthy. Just uh, just waiting to be come on. Yeah. Every team has injuries, and the Pittsburgh Penguins without one of the best uh, players in the world for a lengthy time. Are you kidding me? They're a top five team in the NHL. Yeah, one of
1: the big surprises for me is the Florida Panthers, I, and it's funny because uh, I'm looking at two, on NHL.com right now, and we're looking at the standings, and it says goals for 183, but then you go to team stats, and it tells me 180. So maybe NHL.com needs to get themselves together. But yeah, 183 goals. From the Florida Panthers. And as we sit here today, third spot in the Atlantic Division. Four points ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for that final spot in the division. And and I'm, I was wrong, actually. The Leafs are four points behind Carolina for the last wild card as well. So uh, that would be the big surprise for me, the Florida Panthers. And looking at the clock, we got to take a break here, guys. Some good stuff there. On the other side, we'll put a bow on the show. It's the rink-wide. It's the show that always scores right here on TSN 1040.
4: Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well... The needle in the haystack.
2: 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.ca slash Canada. That's ZipRecruiter.ca slash C-A-N-A-D-A. ZipRecruiter.ca slash Canada.